log entry, the catch Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney, master. Position 22 degrees 15 minutes north, 114 degrees 45 minutes east. Wind fresh, sky fair. Remarks, departed Hong Kong after successfully liquidating business competition. Reason for success, the beautiful girl in the bargain basement. It was a long leg from the island of Tangulan up across the Celebes and Sulu Seas through the Kalmayan group and across to the Chinese mainland. It was a victorious leg, too, with the realization slowly sinking in that we'd beaten Constantino to the prize. And that with the $10 million worth of relics aboard, we'd all but accomplished our original mission for Kuji Kang. And that as soon as we'd unloaded it and started trading under his company flag, we could map our own futures and come and go almost as we pleased. It was mid-afternoon when the mirror-clear water of the China Sea took on the yellow of the mud sweeping out from the Kwangtung's rivers, and the bulk of the coast loomed up on the horizon. According to orders, we lay to well off Macau until after nightfall, then slipped silently into the dozing harbor under power. We moored quickly and quietly at a waterside entrance to Kang's Macau warehouse. Oh, we're in, Skipper. Yeah, Red. But take it easy, mate. Yeah. We'll just use a bow line, man, and the Skipper will keep the stern in with the motor... And 20 minutes later, we'd finished the last actual operation with the treasure itself. It was off the ship, well hidden in the warehouse. And we pulled out of Macau, every man aboard, smiling up at the clear night sky, feeling completely unfettered for the first time since we'd left San Francisco. At last, free from the menacing shadow of Constantino that had followed us across the Pacific. By one the next afternoon, we entered and were enveloped by the broiling harbor of Hong Kong. I found a repair yard for the queen, arranged for a full repair and paint job for her, and lived up to a promise I'd made the crew. I gave them four months' pay for the two I owed them and turned them loose on the city for a week's shore leave. See you tonight at the commercial club, Skipper. Right, Red. Uh, where are you headed? I'm off to report our success to Kang. It was really shaping up to be the happiest land trip of my life. Hong Kong looked like the end of the rainbow as I hurried across town to the office where Kang was to meet me. Good afternoon, Captain Carney. Hello. Where's Mr. Kang? I waited so long to meet you. Oh, really? Yes. My name is Francisco Constantino. It's an interesting but little-known fact that two of America's greatest inventors were by training and original profession portrait painters. These men were Robert Fulton, who built the Claremont, one of the world's first steamships, and Samuel F.B. Morse, known as the inventor of the telegraph. Both men were accomplished artists, whose canvases are among the finest painted by any Americans. In addition to their artistic talent and skill, however, they possessed a degree of curiosity combined with a quality typical of so many Americans, a determination to find the answer to technical problems which intrigued them. In 1832, after studying art in Paris for three years, Morse sailed for the United States aboard a packet ship. During the voyage, he got into discussion with another passenger. The subject? Electromagnetism, an exciting new discovery in the mysterious realm of electricity a field which Benjamin Franklin had explored with great interest a few decades before. 
Basically, electromagnetism demonstrated that an iron bar wound with a great many coils of insulated wire would become magnetic when charged with electricity. The magnetism would cease instantly when the electrical charge was shut off. Interesting, but so what, many might have said, but not Morse. He, a professional portrait painter, mind you, decided that this phenomenon must have some practical use. Before his ship docked, he had the idea for an electric telegraph system utilizing electromagnetism to create the sparking dots and dashes of the Morse code. Many years of hard work followed before he perfected adequate instruments to transmit and receive the code messages. Finally, in 1843, the government granted Morse $30,000 to establish a test telegraph line from Washington to Baltimore, a distance of 40 miles. But because of incompetence on the part of some of the crew, the work fell behind, and Morse became desperate. Finally, he stretched bare copper wires over the entire distance, strung from tree to tree and to posts where necessary. Broken bottle tops were used for insulators. The deadline was met successfully. Over the wire from Baltimore to Washington went the immortal words, spelled out in the click of the Morse code, What hath God wrought? Another instance that will live in the world's history, proving the results which come out of American inventiveness and this philosophy, there must be a way. Let's find it. And so Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week, a complete entry in the log, and every week, a league further in the strange voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Captain Carney. I'm sorry our meeting has to be such a shock, but I suppose it is to be expected. Where's Kang? We'll get to that later. Oh, sit down, Captain. All right. I had hoped to make our meeting as pleasant as possible, Captain. First, because in spite of the fact that we have been uh, competitors for the past several months, I feel a great deal of admiration for you. I mean that. Competitors? I guess that covers it, doesn't it? Yes, completely. There has been nothing in any way personal about my campaign for the recovery of the Chinese relics. Do all of your campaigns cost as many lives as this one did, Mr. Constantino? Oh, please, Captain, let us forget our competition. Supposing we call it truce, hmm? This is a great approach, but you're wasting your time. What are you trying to no, prove? Wait, Captain. This is no approach. It's a, uh, a situation between you and me that is even stranger than you think. You'll excuse me. I think I'll get back to the Scarlet Queen. I don't think you'll want to, Captain. Henrietta Ainley is at my house waiting to see you. Hank? Hank Ainley? She followed you to Haiphong after you left here. And her inquiries about you led her to me. Where is she? At my house. We have become quite friendly since... since we had in common our desires to find you. I'd like to see her. All right, Captain... But she knows nothing of our association. Now, I give you my word, she will not find out unless you tell her. Now, come. You will see that I tell the truth.
drove to the top of Victoria Peak. My mind was full of her. The dream we'd lived for three days after I'd met her. A dream so strong that I'd stayed away from ship, my men, my voyage for Kang, rather than awaken from her. The dream and the ache when I realized that leaving her was the only way to save her from murder or arrest. Then we turned into a drive and stopped in front of the squat mansion that was Constantino's. We went in through a hallway, into a living room. And I saw her, standing sort of stiffly and unsure in front of me. Hello, Phil. Hello, Hank. There. You see, my dear, the waiting has ended, hasn't it? Yes. Yes, it has. And you're too, uh, reserved or embarrassed to enjoy it. I'm sure you will excuse me now. Hmm? I will go and mix a drink for us both. Oh, Hank. Oh, Phil. Please, Hank. No. No, I'll cry. I gotta look at you. I gotta... Look up at me. I was remembering... But I wondered what made you so beautiful. Your mouth a little too wide. Your eyes a little too widely spaced. Your cheekbones a little too high. Do I still look like your Scarlet Queen? You look like they just gave me the world. You look like about nine million dollars. You look like home. Oh, Phil, you're so nice. Sit down here with me. Kiss me again. Oh, yeah. I missed you, Hank. I'm glad you did. I missed you, too. The dream was back. And as before, it pushed everything out of focus. Constantino returned with some drinks. We sat through a dinner. I was shown to a room... Not too long after the house quieted down, she slipped in and we sat in front of a window and talked. I don't know what to do about Fran, Phil. It's a bad... You mean Constantino? Yes, it's bad. How bad, eh? Well, he... He's been wonderful waiting for you. He... he... Well, I wouldn't have found you if it hadn't been for him. What has he told you about me? About why he was waiting for me? Why, nothing, darling. Just... Just that you were working for him. Hmm? Phil, is there anything wrong with what you're doing for him? No, nothing. He is a little mysterious sometimes. Phil, I wouldn't care what you were doing for anybody or what side of the law it was on. You know that, don't you? Sure. You never told me what you were doing out here. If there was a chance of your getting into trouble, you'd tell me. Wouldn't you? I'd want to know. I'd tell you. Now, what about this business with Constantino? He's in love with me. I don't blame him so much. Phil. He asked me to marry him. What are you going to do about it? Well, I was afraid to refuse. I thought maybe he'd be angry enough to send me away and I couldn't wait for you. I told him I had to have time to decide, Phil. You see how uncomfortable it is? Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I like him and... 
And I appreciate everything, but... Oh, Phil, I'm a coward. Couldn't couldn't we just sneak out of here tonight and hide so I wouldn't have to face him? I know that sounds... Sure awful. we could. Come on. Right now? Right now. Henrietta! Right. Fran? Henrietta, I think this tender reunion has gone on long enough. Phil, don't. I think Captain Carney is wise enough in the ways of arms and men to realize that neither of you will leave until I wish it. Now, please go back to your room. Phil? You better do what he says, Hank. From the moment Constantino opened the door, we stopped living in a dream. And almost before it closed on him and Hank Ainley, I began to realize the spot I'd been so neatly maneuvered into. Sure, I had the treasure, but Constantino had Hank. I wondered how soon the bargaining would begin. I spent the next morning wandering around the house looking for Hank Ainley until I finally got tired of watching Constantino's gunmen making their presence known to me. And I went back to my room because there was nothing I could do but feel sick with worry for Hank and wait for the next move. It all began to clear up in the middle of the afternoon when Constantino came through the door. He was wearing the same friendly expression, but he was flanked by two of his men. I'm getting awful sick of this. I hope you're bringing your guns with you means we're through being polite. Yes. I'm afraid that our truce has come to an end. I found your ship, Captain. And the treasure, of course, was not aboard. What have you done with Hank? I also found the hotel at which your crew is staying during their week of freedom. Your first officer returned once to the ship and has not been located since, but he will. What have you done with Hank? Just what I'm coming to, Captain Carney. I will release you and stop the campaign for the relics if you... If you will release your hold on Henrietta Ainley. You don't mean that. You're lying in your teeth. I swear I am not. I... I had hoped that her feelings toward you might have changed since your earlier friendship was so short, but... That is why I brought you together. It is quite evident that she has not... Quite evident that you're crazy. You're out of your head. Captain, if you will tell her that you no longer love her, I have every reason to believe that she will turn to me. She wouldn't believe me if I did. You... You refuse. Refuse? I'm ashamed that I even listened to you. Get out of here. Captain, one moment. What? You asked me what I have done with Miss Ainley. It has become a habit with me to get what I want one way or another. So? How does this bargain strike you? You may purchase Miss Ainley's freedom simply by telling me where you have deposited the treasure. You play it either way, don't you? It's still no. No. To both of my bargains? No, to both of your bargains. I tell you what, Captain. You stay here and think it over, realizing that this house is well-armed and that your door will, of course, be locked and guarded. You think over my bargain, Captain. of the afternoon passed. And just before dark, I heard a car leave the gravel drive and fade away down the hill. Another hour passed. The house was without sound or movement. But both arrived suddenly and at the same time. First, I heard the car. Whether it was the same one or not, I couldn't tell. Maybe 30 seconds after it stopped, I heard the rest. Two shots echoed up from the main floor. Soon after that, I heard feet coming down the hall toward my room. I doused the lights, hugged the wall next to the door, deciding to make a try at whoever it was. But the sound of the voice changed my mind. Get up. 
Are you there? Gallagher! Stand away from the door, Skipper. I'll have to blast the lock out. Red, the shot. Stay away for the guard. He, uh, blast. Come on, Skipper. We gotta get you out of here. They're on their way back to get you right now. Where's Hank, Red? Right where we're going. Come on, I swiped Constantino's car. I'll tell you about it on the way. All right. That dame, Skipper. We had a nice plan worked out. Tell me, Red. When did you see her? This morning. When you didn't show up yesterday, it started to smell like Constantino. Yeah. So I found out where he lived. He sneaked up here after dark and caught sight of you through the window. Well, that's great, Red. What about Hank? I caught her in the garden this morning. She didn't know why he was holding you here, so I told her everything. Except where we left the stuff. You told her about the treasure? You made a pigeon out of her Wait red. a minute. I had to do something. She said she'd get him out tonight so I could come in and get you. She said it was all right. But she didn't look all right when she came out with him, so I followed him. And believe me, it isn't all right. Where did he take her? Down at the waterfront. She was going to tell him that's where the treasure was and that... That she'd marry. You shouldn't have told her, Red. Where is this place? Pretty soon, Skipper will get... Hurry up, Red. Hurry up. We headed into the waterfront section on the eastern outskirts of the city. We pulled up in front of a warehouse that had outside stairs leading up to a long walkway two and a half stories above the street. They're up there, Skipper. climbed the long wooden stairs as quietly and as quickly as we could. But when I heard him as we got there, the pounding of angry blood in my brain got so loud it almost drowned him out. Let's go, Red. Let's go. All right, Constantino, that's enough. Bill. All right, Constantino, I've come to bargain with you. I didn't need anything to carry me into him. Everything but his face disappeared in a red haze. I didn't know how long it lasted, but my arms ached and my face and back were numb from his fists. One of his rights took me. When I stumbled back, he rushed me. I realized his tactics. The open door and the long wooden stairs were behind me. I ducked under his next swing, caught him with a right under the rib. Then I had him pinned against the door frame. And I hit him for everything he'd done to us on the voyage. A lion. A killing. For King. For the crew. For Gallagher. For Hank. He staggered across the walkway and I made my last rush. This one was for me. Silent crack. And he was gone. Wait a minute. Get away from me. Phil, He'll I... be all right, Hank. What's the matter with you anyway bringing him here? Nothing, Phil, nothing. Oh, Hank, why did you do it? I was sick. I was so scared. I just wanted to help you. Let's get out of here, Hank. We got the rest of the week. Five days. Let's get out of here. Oh, darling, five days. That's not very much. Five days. <laughs> Five days wasn't very much. We were like two kids in their first love affair. We sat in King James Park. We took moonlight drives to the top of Victoria Peak. We swam away sun-drenched afternoons at the beach, had cocktails and danced at the commercial club. Or we just walked through the old section of Hong Kong and held hands. Five days. Then there was a door we tried not to look at, a sailing time that came closer with each tick of the clock and wine that would have bubbled with happiness if things had been different. I'm going to stay here, Phil. 
I'm not going down to the Queen with you. All right, Hank. Will I see you again, Phil? Sure, Hank. But I can't go with you. It wouldn't work. But I can promise I'll find you again. I'll try to wait for you, Phil. But it's not easy out here. I know. I'd rather take a beating than hear you say that. We're being honest with... Oh, Phil. Yeah. I love you, Hank. I'll wait, Phil. Really, I'll and wait. I'll be back. You understand about not going with me. That's why I love you. Well, guess it's about time. Wait. Have a drink with me? Sure. I'll make a toast. To the woman you love. I wish her health and happiness and good luck so that she'll bring you safely back to me. To the Scarlet Queen. Take care of yourself, Hank. You too, Phil. That afternoon, I was aboard, and the Scarlet Queen had scudded through the never-ending traffic of Hong Kong's harbor. And the wind that came to us carried with it the city's familiar smell. The head of the mainsail climbed to its place on the newly varnished mast. The jibs went up, then the mizzen, and the Scarlet Queen, not feeling the string that tried so hard to pull her master back to the city. Charged into the open sea. That's the rig all right, Skipper. Yeah, fine, Red. It's too bad we had to leave. You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, Red. But we're leaving. And it's all right. That a boy, Skipper. Hey, Red, I got word from Kang. He's okay. And he's on his way to Shanghai with the treasure. Is that where we're bound? No, we're heading for Guangzhou, a couple hundred miles south of here. I'm from there? Who knows? We'll be moving, Red. I'm glad of that. That week ashore, it got kind of monotonous. The first couple of days were all right, but... Which... Why should I be saying this to you? You don't understand how Hong Kong could be monotonous. You're right there, mate. Well, to me, it was boring. But let's look ahead, shall we? That's where I'm looking. Does it look all right? Gonna be a fine evening. And all the ocean in the world on the other side. And no more Constantino to worry about. Quite an evening. An end and a beginning. Here, Skipper. To the Queen. After you, mate. After you. Log entry. Catch Scarlet Queen. 5.30 p.m. Wind fresh, sky fair. Carrying full sail. Ship secure for the night. Signed, Philip Carney. Master.
Voyage of the Scarlet Queen stars Elliot Lewis as Phil Carney with Ed Max as Gallagher. And tonight featured Kathy Lewis as Hank with Ben Wright as Constantino. Music scored and conducted by Richard Arant. The Scarlet Queen, produced by James Burton, is written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman. The, the Voyage of the Scarlet Queen has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.